Hey everyone, I'm glad that you're back for another episode of Sprouting Minds. This week's guest is Cody Newman, who actually gives herself her own introduction very quickly into the episode. However, I did want to include a trigger warning here because we do talk about her journey battling anorexia, living with anxiety, and OCD. And we talk about some of the treatments that she has either undergone or is currently undergoing. So I just wanted to let you know in case those topics are triggering for you. And so please take that into consideration if you're deciding to listen to this episode and that you enjoy this episode. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Is the lighting okay? The lighting is perfect. I'm glad to finally see you. <laughs> I know. I'm excited to see you too. I've been good. I'm doing better. Um, ups and downs, you know. I um, I was talking to a friend. I went for a run with a friend this morning and just talking about how, you know, I'm working really hard on myself and healing and um, for the first time probably ever am I actually working on the real problems, you know, like because uh, one thing like I wanted to talk about a little bit, as you know, at, people don't know who I am, but I'll introduce myself. So my name is Cody Newman. Um, I'm a former elite athlete, scholar, and um, I went to Duke University, played soccer there for two years and got sick, started as a freshman, was the top player um, and developed anorexia, which started which started before college, but went kind of undiagnosed and disguised by the elite amazing athlete that I was you know oh she's just eating healthy she's just working on her fitness but so there was a lot of like my illness being shoved under the rug and people not recognizing it or those that recognized it didn't you know kind of saw my success as like well she must be okay because she's so successful so yeah I was excited Andy had read an article that um, I wrote and wanted to interview me and I was really excited to talk about I I'm someone who's really vulnerable and open about struggling with mental illness I think it's important and I know so many people are very afraid to talk about struggling with mental health and mental illness but it affects so many of us in this world and I think the more the more that we talk about it the more people will get help and the healthier and safer world we'll live in and um yeah so I've been battling I'm 32 years old and I've been battling since I'm about 15 and this is the first time in really forever that for not forever but in you know since my illness had gotten so severe that I'm in a well enough place to actually work on the underlying issues which is typically what exists with um, struggles with eating disorders or underlying struggles with mental illness Um, I struggle with OCD and anxiety and yeah and so I'm a writer um, as well and I'm just here today to talk about uh, what I've been through, what I went through, and how I'm using my voice to, you know, help. I, I, I know that I survived many things that I should not have survived. And I am both grateful to be here and then also doing incredibly hard work to heal from the trauma of what I've been through. So I was tell what go now going back to talking about um that friend of mine that I was talking to this morning I was like you know battling my brain and living every day 
and stepping out into the world is for me is a full-time job because I have a brain that is very overactive. It's constantly chatting. It's very, there's a lot of chatter in my brain. So it's a full-time job to exist and take care of myself and to go about my day. And I'm hopeful that with the the continued help that I'm receiving and really the intense exposure and trauma and dialectical behavioral therapy that I'm doing will hopefully continue to help me be well enough to go out in the world and, you know, make a living and make a life for myself, which is just something I hope for. Currently, I'm 32 and living with my parents, who I'm incredibly grateful for. But, you know, it's it's definitely hard to watch your friends and people you um, grew up with and, you know, played sports with, you know, be in relationships and have children and be kind of a little bit stuck, a little bit behind because of the things I went through and also a little bit ahead because of the things I went through, if that makes any sense, you know? It's so amazing to have you on and like to feel comfortable sharing your story because I'm sure whether they're athletes or just other humans, someone's connecting to what you're saying. And even, you know, going undiagnosed, right, for so long, that was something that you were dealing with on your own then. And, you know, there are so many people that probably are going through something similar and don't know how to say, I need help, or even to recognize that they do need help. And as an athlete, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't, I don't really know college and high school sports, but you have a team of players, but you also have staff members that are supposed to be looking out for your health and well-being and making sure that you as a whole person are doing fine. Yeah. And it seems like maybe that also wasn't really there for you. It's complicated. And, you know, I would say that coaches a lot are are definitely invested in the wellness of their players. But I think sometimes it can become, the game can become so important like important that we we kind of turn our head to things that could be pointed out and better helped earlier on caught earlier on um I think for me I like you know you can go back and wish for other things um you know my coach at Duke was a great guy a great coach but also you know like under a lot of pressure you know as a coach for a top d1 you know, school and winning is important. And, you know, when you have somebody who's, I was a a top player on the team, I did start as a freshman, and I it was pointed out and like, it people were aware. And, you know, I was, I was not allowed to get salad at pregame meal, because I would do that I would for playing 90 minute games, I would eat a salad. And, you know, so people were trying it's just such a complex disease. And the fact that somebody when somebody can function so highly with it, that's kind of where there's even more of a problem. Like if somebody's starting to to decline, and it's obvious, and that's when people can be like, okay, obviously, they're struggling. But when you're functioning at such a high level, both academically and athletically, it's hard for coaches and mentors and trainers and even teammates to say like, something is wrong. You know, eventually it was pointed out that something was wrong, but I had already been, I was sliding down pretty quickly and pretty fast. And 
Um, and then I had to leave Duke and my scholarship and my coach was great. He said like, you know, when you're ready to come back, you know, soccer or no soccer, this is like very rare too, for a soccer coach to, to do something like this. But he said, soccer or no soccer, I'm holding your scholarship for you, whether you can play again or not. But there was just so much pressure there. And I, tr- I actually did try to go back after my first bout of treatment, but I just felt so sad not playing my sport. Um, and like, I, I went back and decided that I couldn't play soccer and go to school at Duke and be healthy <laughs> because of the pressure and the intense amount of time. And I, I, I would have a hard time taking care of myself. So I decided when I went back that I, I initially was going to play and I like got myself back to a healthy weight. I went through preseason, but I was really hard on myself. Like I wanted to be like starting again. Like I wanted to be in the starting 11 and coming back from anorexia, losing a ton of weight, then gaining weight back, then having to, you know, having to stop all exercise and then get myself back fit again. Cause I wanted to play. I thought I wanted to play. Um, I went through preseason and I wasn't this. I felt like I wasn't the same player I was. And so I ended up quitting the team and I was living with my teammates, like in the same dorm room and not playing soccer. And I developed really bad depression. It was really hard. And I, I was really unhappy and I wanted to come home. And I was like telling my parents that I was unhappy and like that. I spoke with the, the, the soccer coach at Hofstra who knew me really well because he was my coach for the Olympic developmental training teams. And he offered me a full ride knowing that I had like my history. And so I told my family that I think that it's just too hard to be at Duke and not play soccer. It's like my dream school, my dream, you know, my dream to like, you know, go to the elite eight and go to the final four and like win a national championship. And it's just too painful to watch. And Um, you know, my parents were hard on me about the transfer and because they're like, you're going to give up Duke and, and they feel so much guilt about this. They do. And I forgive them. I know that they just, they wanted what was best for me and what my future. So I was going to transfer to Hofstra and, um, but I ended up, you know, really beginning to struggle with, um, this is something I don't talk about a lot. Um, but with, I have um, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, and I wanted to share a little bit about what OCD actually is, um, because a lot of connotations about what it is and like, oh, that's I'm so OCD and people use the term, throw the term around like very like, yeah, loosely. And OCD is actually a very, very difficult mental illness to struggle with. And I pulled up uh, something that so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to quote it. This is the internationalocdfoundation.org, and this is their description of obsessive compulsive disorder. I really like this description. I feel like it helps explain what OCD is. And um, so it says that, so this is the internationalocdfoundation.org. Obsessive compulsive disorder is a mental health disorder that affects people of all ages and walks of life and occurs when a person gets caught in a cycle of obsessions and compulsions. Obsessions are unwanted, intrusive thoughts or images or urges that trigger intensely distressing feelings. Compulsions are behaviors an individual engages in in an attempt to get rid of the obsessions or decrease distress. Now, not everyone with OCD has compulsions. Some people just have the obsessions, um, which is something a lot of people don't know as well. 
Uh, most people have obsessive thoughts. This is from the website. Thoughts or compulsions at some point in their lives, but that does not mean we all have some OCD. In order for a diagnosis of OCD to be made, the cycles of obsessions and compulsions must be so extreme that it consumes a lot of time and more than an hour every day. It causes intense distress and gets in the way of important activities that a person values. So what exactly are obsessions and compulsions? Obsessions are thoughts, images, or impulses that occur over and over again and feel outside of the person's control. Individuals with OCD do not want to have these thoughts and find them disturbing. I think that's something to really point out is that like for so long, like I lived without going to therapy, without knowing that I had OCD. And, you know, so I thought I was crazy. I thought like I just had, and I kept it to myself and I'm like, I functioned highly academically. I functioned athletically. I, that was my outlet and everything else I kept in and I felt crazy. And a lot of people do feel that way because they don't know that having intrusive thoughts doesn't make you a bad person, even if you're having bad thoughts. I, my OCD, um, I would get a lot of intrusive thoughts about hurting myself where like thoughts of like, I need to hurt myself because, or this person, some, something bad will happen to this person. And I felt crazy. I kept it all in and I just like hyper-focused on school, perfectionism on sports and being the best I could be. And, you know, that was my outlet, but it's, you know, some people get thoughts about hurting others and it doesn't mean they want to hurt others. They do not want to hurt others. They, but they're, they're, they're just thoughts and, but they're so intrusive and people think that they're bad people or that they're, you know, like something is wrong with them, but they, and something, OCD is a mental illness. It's very real. And so yeah, this says also here that obsessions are typically accompanied by intense and uncomfortable feelings such as fear, disgust, uncertainty, and doubt, or a feeling that ha that something things have to be done in a way that is just right. The context of OCD, obsessions are time-consuming and get in the way of important activities the person values. This last part is extremely important to put in mind as in part of determines whether someone has OCD, a psychological disorder, rather than an obsessive personality trait. Obsessing or being obsessed are commonly used terms in everyday language. These more causal uses of the word mean that someone is preoccupied with a topic, an idea, or even a person. To be obsessed in this everyday sense does mean that a person has problems in their day-to-day -day living. There may be even a, be a pleasurable component to their experience of being obsessed. For example, you can be obsessed with a new song you hear on the radio, but you can still meet your friend for dinner, get ready for bed in time, get to work on time, despite this obsession. The content of everyday obsession can be more serious. For example, everyone might have a thought from time to time about getting sick or worrying about a loved one's safety or wondering if a mistake they made might be catastrophic in some way. While these thoughts look similar to what you would see in OCD, someone without OCD may have these thoughts, be momentarily concerned, and then move on. In fact, research has shown that most people with unwanted, most people have unwanted intrusive thoughts from time to time, but in the context of OCD, these intrusive thoughts come frequently and tri trigger extreme anxiety that gets in the way of day-to-day -day functioning. There's more. And if anyone's interested in learning more about OCD, they can go to this website. It's a good one. There's a lot more about it. Um, it's called iocdf.org. OCD was a big component of my struggle since I'm a young kid. I worried I had a lot of anxiety growing up as a kid and also very perfectionistic and successful. So I, it kind of went, you know. Hand in hand, yeah. 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 So, you know, I was a top student, honor student, great athlete, triple sport athlete, basketball, soccer, 
track and field. Um, I played flag football. I played with boys until I was 13 years old in most sports. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I think that so many people are so afraid to talk about mental health and it just, I think it, it's harmful, not just to those people, but also the world, because then we see things, you know, not to say that people with mental illness are the ones like causing violent things to happen. But I think that there's so much stigma around struggling with a mental illness. And I think that we hurt we we hurt our own our community by not talking about it because i think it then it leaves people alone with their thoughts and when you're alone with your thoughts is when bad things can happen so getting help is scary and hard and not easy but it's it really has been life changing for me so yeah and i think we're finally making a shift from not talking about it and i think for both of us growing up like Mental health was not something we talked about, not something our parents talked about. It was just not, not, I don't want to say it wasn't welcomed, but it just was pushed under the rug. And especially as you said, like being good in school, being a good athlete, like, okay, well, she has all these things that are working for her. So she can't have, she can't have problems with her mental health because she's, she's doing all those things or she's even just getting out of bed or she has a social life there were so many things that are stacked against us. And I think we're finally shifting into this new world of like, oh, mental health is so, so, so important. Mental health is health, you know, like mental health is health. And, you know, for so long, I guess for me growing up, like I had such a hard time seeing myself, like I was so successful, but I didn't know it. I didn't know it. Like even, even though I had earned a scholarship committed verbally unofficially to Duke at 15 years old to go play soccer there and I was getting I was getting college letters from great universities athletic and academic and you know I still didn't see myself like I and that's part of my illness is that I struggle to see myself and to see you know the kind of person I am to see the kind of writer I am to see the kind of um, human being I am, the way people connect, feel safe and connect with me and how that's a gift, you know, and so was my, my athletic ability. And so was my drive. But I had such a hard time seeing myself like I, I made the U17 and U18 under national team, the US national team, I got called um to the pool. And even then, you know, I was like, I'm only good because I work hard. I had a really hard time seeing that I was talented as well. I was just incredibly hard on myself. And even growing up, like I had my OCD showed up at like as a little kid, like I had trouble going to sleep at night. And like I had this ritual where I like I needed my parents in the room and they ha- I had to say the names of everybody I loved and had that I hope they never died. And if I thought I forgot somebody, I'd start over. And I hated sleeping at friends' houses because I couldn't do my ritual. and. So I, I was constantly like at friends' houses, get my dad knew he at around bedtime, he'd be getting the call. Cody needs to come home. She's crying. She's scared, you know, and it was it was hard. And, and actually, the first time I ever achieved sleeping out was when I got invited to a regional camp for soccer and parents weren't allowed to stay in the hotel. 
my mom was like, are you sure you want to do this? You think you're, you think you can do this? Like, we're okay if you don't want to do this. Like, if this is too much for you. And I was like, no, I'm going to do it. And like, I did it. And then like, I just broke it from then on. I was traveling a lot with soccer, like having to be away from my family. And so, I mean, it was, I was saying to my friend this one, I'm like, battling my brain is a full-time job. I hope that I can get a, you know, a good, better grasp on managing my anxiety so that I can actually become independent and like be able to have a job and that, you know, doesn't overwhelm me to the point where I can't keep myself healthy. It's, it's definitely not easy. And I just, I'm still working really hard. Yeah, I actually interviewed someone from the Child Mind Institute about OCD to like, clear up some of the misconceptions that we all have because it's just again not talked about so nobody knows just because Mm -hmm. nobody's talking about it and it's just it's really hard in this world to know what other people are going through because it's really hard to share what you're going through and the world that we live in is not made for us to just share freely without judgment and feeling Mm -hmm. like we're in a safe space and especially someone who had to commit to being going to a very well-known school at such a young age like it just blows my mind that at 15 people are asking these young kids essentially to make these commitments and most people don't know what they want to do and besides playing soccer you still have to go for the academics yeah so it's just it's just I mean, the amount of pressure is just unbelievable. Definitely. It's like an amazing opportunity and it's like very special, but it is very, very challenging. And, you know, I admire the strength of, you know, these athletes because they are not only, you know, they're, they're whole people too, you know, they're athletes, but they're people first. And, you know, I, I've been, only recently have I been able to watch Duke play um, because I felt so much shame and so much guilt and so much like I had failed and, you know, like I had this opportunity and now I'm a 32 year old adult living at home with my parents. And, you know, I, you know, I've worked some, so I have some money saved, but, you know, I, I'm not completely financially independent yet. And, you know, that's hard. And I feel it's, I feel like there's judgment around that. And, um, but I also think it, this could be helpful for people who, who also are still that like, it's okay. You know, like we all have different life paths and they teach us different things. Like going through what I went through has taught me a lot about life and survival and, you know, so much like heaviness and, um, probably more than a, a Duke degree. So like in, in some ways, um, and yeah, so maybe this is the perfect time for me to share some of what I, okay, I'll try to read it slowly, um, as possible. (laughs) Um, so this is something I wrote, um, just because I was a little anxious about coming here to talk. Um, but, um, so I, I wrote, I feel both nerves and excitement coming here today to talk about my journey. I've been through and have gotten through some unthinkable trauma, both medical and mental and physical and emotional. It feels a bit scary to tell my story when I'm not quite out of the woods yet. 
But what I'm learning is that it's important for us to use our voice to help others know that change and growth is possible even when there is still tremendous work and healing ahead. This last year, I survived a relapse with anorexia that should have taken my life. So much of who I was was hijacked by the by what seemed like an irrational monster in my brain. It's hard to explain what it's like to suffer from severe and enduring anorexia, yet do your best to remain hopeful that this diagnosis is not a death sentence. Sometimes I still fear that it is, if I'm being completely honest. I know anyone looking at me now would think I was better, no longer struggling. Evidently, my body looks healthy. I've restored close to 50 pounds. I'm eating food and moving my body in a healthy way again. And yet it takes many, many months for the brain to catch up to the restoration of the body. Anorexia is a brain-based illness, and there are many other components and symptoms of this disease that vary among different sufferers. Anorexia can affect men and women, cisgender, transgender, non-binary, straight, gay, bisexual, and people of different ethnicities and backgrounds, religions, and body types. It can come along and tear apart families and friendships and kill people. Sadly, I know many young and old lives that were taken from this awful disease way too soon. Last year, I came so close to losing my life. I had to be Medi Air Ambulance flown from Princeton Medical Center to Acute Center for De Eating Disorders in Denver at Denver Health Hospital, a specialized center that cares for the most medically complicated, complex cases of eating disorders. I have been on life support and walked away from death's doorstep too many times to count. Yet I truly believed I survived for a reason, and my story wasn't over, and it wasn't going to be a sad story. There were so many moments where I was so exhausted and times where I wished for death because the emotional and physical pain of having to restore my body and mind was so incredibly painful. The trauma one endures from this journey really cannot be described. To the outside world, I'm sure my disease confused people. Growing up, I was this talented, gifted, scholar, multi-sport athlete. I verbally committed to Duke University unofficially at 15 years old to play soccer. I was on the youth U.S. national team at U17 and U18, a top student at a good public New York City high school. Everything I achieved came from hard work, dedication, talent, and just the kind of person I was. I was always humble and kind, maybe even too humble, as my dad said. I had a hard time seeing how tremendous of both an athlete, student, and just overall person I was. I was and am an empath, so I've always felt things very deeply, and it's been both my blessing and my curse. My family growing up went through things. Mental illness runs in my family, and I'm not going to get to details about that here. Um, at this point in my life, I've chosen forgiveness and gratitude for what those who have loved me to the core have offered and accepted where their limitations have been. Currently, I've got myself up 50 pounds from where I was a year ago, and I'm so proud of the work it's taken to get there, both physically and mentally. I've been cleared to start exercising again, and I found a great buddy, a friend I made at the dog park to help me along this journey back to movement that brings me joy and strength. There are times where I feel as though I'm behind my peers who haven't had to battle the same struggles, but I know that my resilience is an amazing thing, and showing up in this world with continued kindness and love after all I've endured is both beautiful and touching. I'm not afraid to share my struggle because I think not only other athletes need to hear we aren't alone, but so does the world. We all suffer in this life. There is no existence without suffering, and survival through pain and suffering can help others face less of it. Being alive today is a gift I do not take for granted. I'm not out of the woods. My body looks healthy. I'm eating regularly balanced, healthy meals, exercising my body again, even stepping out into the world socially more often, facing my fears and anxieties of what it's like to live in a scary, unpredictable world where there is also exists great beauty. 
I wake up still every day with chatter in my mind, my thoughts telling me things that aren't true, and I choose to go out into the world and take it on. I have great friends, great family, and love around me that keeps me going. My journey isn't over yet, but I'm so grateful that I survived thus far. I found this quote on Instagram that touched me in an interesting way. I always thought being called resilient was a compliment. I even began identifying myself as resilient. But this quote touched me in a way I had never thought of, yet made so much sense. I'm going to share it here. I cannot take credit for this insight, but I found it helpful and validating and wanted to share it. The amazing Danielle Sierra said this. Wives stop praising people for being resilient. Resilience implies that someone has handled their pain well, that they made, that it made them strong and led them to growth and purpose. But not all pain makes you grow. Not all suffering has a purpose. Some things just hurt. Some things just take. Some pain just traumatizes you. Resilience is born out of necessity. It's not a choice. It's born in moments where there was either death or survival. It's born from moments where you were trapped and there was otherwise no way of escaping the body and skin you were in. It's a product of just continuing to exist in survival mode because there's literally no other option. Instead of praising people for their ability to carry and survive pain, I've shifted to saying, I'm so sorry you've been forced to survive things no one should have to face. I'm so sorry you were taught that your pain was a badge of honor. I'm so sorry that you were put in a position where survival mode was the only option. I'm so sorry you were taught that being strong meant hiding your pain. I'm so sorry that you've been drowning under the pressure of being resilient when really you've been in survival mode. It's okay if you don't feel like being strong anymore. You don't have to feel grateful for or find purpose in your pain. It makes complete sense to want ease and comfort after living for so long in pain. Thank you so much for trusting me with your story and your pain. I'm so glad you're still here, despite it all. So thank you to um, Danielle Sierra. I don't know her, but I found this on Instagram and was inspired by it. So um, thank her for these wise, insightful word words. I can't take credit for them. But I'm here today, though. This is me. <laughs> To remind other athletes or high achievers or anyone who has suffered with their mental health that they are not alone and that their pain and that their story matter. This world needs us fighters who aren't afraid to speak out. If we speak out and up, we are less alone and being less alone helps us heal. I'm sending so much love and light out into this world. To my fellow warriors, we will not give up. Healing is possible and I'm working on it every single day. Very, very deep and raw and you shared it with me before we had our interview and I remember reading it and just kind of sitting there with the words for a little bit and I think that when we talk about success and failure I know before that you said that you kind of feel like you failed at times from where I'm sitting in my perspective which is different from everyone else's perspective it's all success there's success with bumps in the road and things that have come up that have challenged you and you're here now talking with me and for me that that's a huge success and recognizing you know when you needed help and just because you you couldn't continue your time at Duke didn't mean that you you failed like it's such a hard thing to get our minds to, you know mm -hmm. around because we all have different ideas of what success is and what failure is for me a success is I get to talk to you I get to meet with you and to switch it around like the success is that you're here right it's so hard for for us as humans to to seek the help that we need and to get the right help and 
to be okay sharing our our journeys. And I really appreciate you sharing those words with us. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely not easy. And, you know, it's not easy to be such a deep person. Like, it makes life hard sometimes. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I wish I thought less and that there was less going on in my brain <laughs> because it's not easy at all. And I'm like, you know, I see other people who, you know, have gone, you know, I don't know. I guess part of me is looking at, you know, the fact that I still, you know, don't have complete financial independence and I still have to rely on my parents and, you know, I see them getting older and, you know, I want to be, I want to be well enough to be on my own and to support myself and to form connections with, with people and to, you know, eventually find a relationship and have a family and, you know, the things I want for my life. And, you know, so I guess you're right. You know, it's all about perspective and being here. It's not, it's an honor to be here today. So thank you for having me on. Um, and I'm just grateful that I'm, that, you know, I get to share my story that I'm alive today because last, this time last year was a very scary time. My life was in jeopardy and I was dying. <laughs> and, um, you know, I had never imagined it could get that bad. But my therapist said something. She's like, Cody, you do everything well, very well. So you did anorexia very, very well. So you got very, very sick. And like, and so like, I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> like, she's like, like everything you do, you do well. So it's nice when the therapist kind of help us laugh through this pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I look at other I have a 14-year-old cousin who is playing soccer for her her school, and she's a good player. But I know her, and she's anxious, and she gets very stressed out over things. And even if she starts as a freshman, she's like, I don't know why they're starting me. I'm not good. And it's, and it's so sad that we still have these young people who are feeling these huge feelings of insecurity and you know no matter what we do where we're succeeding the second one thing happens we're like that that was a fluke whatever mm -hmm. happened that was good was a fluke and it's just so sad and I'm hoping that with these conversations and I know that you and I are not the only ones having these conversations not just athletes but people can help learn you know we don't need to be so hard on ourselves because yeah. we are that's, yeah that's unfortunately some of that is so innate that's the hard part too like some of it is so just tied into our being and like how we formed you know thoughts as children and you know also you know my grandma was a holocaust survivor so there's a lot of transgenerational trauma and I think that like, you know, mental illness is, you know, bi very biological as well. It's both environmental and biological. And some of us are just, you know, like people develop, you know, physical illness. Mental illness is also, you know, not, it's not your fault. And I think a lot of people feel that like, and me, some, I sometimes feel it too. Like I'm still there. I have days where I'm like, why, like, <laughs> how could I be so capable and still struggle so much and um 
it's like I didn't choose this. I didn't, you know, sign up for, you know, anorexia, OCD, anxiety, depression. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't ask for it. I don't want it, you know, like, and I can't wish it away. I have to work on it. I have to go to therapy. I have to do the work. I have to. And therapy is not just talking about your feelings. Like it, it's like therapy when you're healing from such intense mental health issues is, is like retraining your brain and rewiring your thinking, which is hard and painful. Yeah. I mean, the other day, my therapist had me doing this exposure and I was like, I can't do it anymore. And she's like, just, I'm pushing you just to finish, finish, say what, say what you were going to say, like say it. And I was like, I can't. And I'm crying and I'm like, whoa and then we finish and I'm like wow like go me like (laughs) you know like that's work like I'm you know I I feel guilty that I'm not making money right now and in a job where I'm making money but I'm doing work and I think that's a big thing to talk about with therapy because I'm in therapy too and I'm so happy about it because it it's not just me talking to this person she's challenging me if I talk about something that's been hard We work through it. And there have been times where I have like a therapy session and then we end it and I just sit there for a while. Like, because I I can't do anything yet because I'm still processing what we just worked through and that's okay. So I think there's also this thing about therapy where it's not just like you talk to someone and they're like, yes, you are right to feel those things or no, you're not right. It's like, no, you have to really go down to the core of what it is and work through it. And as you're saying, like rework your brain, rework your mindset. And it's hard. It's scary. It's vulnerable, but it, it helps. And it's hard work. It's really hard. It's really hard, but I'm really grateful. Um, So, I mean, it's definitely a job and it's hard work. And right now, a lot of my time is spent battling my mind, you know, anorexia isn't gone, you know, I'm not, I'm not an anorexic weight anymore, I've gained weight, and I'm I'm at a healthy weight, which is great. But doesn't mean that my brain, you know, doesn't go there when I feel overwhelmed, or when I feel scared, or when I feel like a failure, you know, when my when I'm having, you know, intrusive thoughts. And so I mean, I'm just you're right, though. I think it's really you made an amazing point about like what success is. So thank you for reminding me. Yeah, of yeah. That. It's very easy to compare ourselves to other people who, in our minds, look like they have more success, and we all have something. Like we yeah. all have something that we're not feeling great about, and we're all human. And it's it's hard to remind ourselves of that because on some level we're still egocentric because we have to take care of ourselves but perspective is a really interesting thing that I just keep trying to remind myself every day is your perspective of what's going on or the person is not always what it adds up to be exactly yeah yeah it's it's hard but again I'm I'm grateful that you're here. It's not an easy journey at all. And I thank you for sharing all of your feelings and your experiences. And I know that it's going to be very helpful for other people because I'm sure other people are struggling with something. Maybe it's not anorexia and it's just OCD or maybe it's not anything that we spoke about, but 
And there's a lot of comorbidities, you know, mental illness is not usually just one, not usually just one illness, you know, there are underlying issues, like, it doesn't come out of nowhere. One thing I did want to mention before I, I go is that this is something that this, this is a lot to share, but I was really depressed, like when I had gained, worked really hard to gain the weight back and get my health back, which is still like my health isn't great. It's getting better. Um, but I put myself through a lot last year right, where I'm really lucky to be alive. I was really depressed earlier in the year and I started something called ECT. Have you ever heard of ECT? No. It's electric convulsive therapy. Mm-hmm. So you actually get put under anesthesia and they shock your brain with like, and it, it, I don't know exactly know like this, all the science behind it, but it's supposed to be really helpful with depression. Some people find that it affects their memory. And I was fearful in starting it that it would affect my memory, but I was really struggling with depression and felt like I couldn't get out of bed. I didn't want to eat anymore. I didn't want, and I needed intense, you know, something, something needed to, had to give. And so like I agreed to try ECT, which is like a scary treatment to try, but I've had a lot of success from it. I am no longer depressed. I'm I'm anxious all the time. My my OCD runs wild. My anorexic thoughts are there from time to time but my depression has gotten much better um so I just wanted to like just also say that like for some people I have a friend who said that ECT really like really affected her memory so I was scared to do it because they kind of make you have a seizure they like force a seizure and it's supposed to like re like I don't know like neuro the neuro yeah rewiring them yeah but um, it helped me tremendously with depression. And so, you know, I just um, wanted to mention that, that like even sometimes like intensive things need to be done and it's okay. And it doesn't mean that you're crazy or that, you know, you're so fucked up. Cause like I, initially I'm like, I've never imagined I would be someone who need ECT and like it's helped me. And I'm I'm weaning down off of it. I sometimes have to remind them to give me the memory test. You know, my memory is fine for the most part. I just wanted to throw that in there as well. That's a great way to also say like, there's so many different methods of of trying to heal yourself and and therapy, ECT, like there's just so many options. So if you're not comfortable with something, find yeah. something that you are comfortable with. Find someone that, find a therapist that you are comfortable with and not just one that validates you like I had one that was just like yeah that's right yeah that's right and I left I think we only had one session and I was like that did nothing for me like that no no no, I don't I don't need to always be right in what I'm thinking or feeling like I I need to work with what I'm feeling I need to learn how to handle it and how to move forward and cope with it so it's it's you know there's just there's so much out there and I I really hope that everyone starts going to therapy because we all need it yeah 100% everyone no matter what kind of job you have no matter what's going on in your life it's just a way to release something that you can't do with a friend but again I I thank you so much Cody for coming on and sharing your story I'm I'm sure it wasn't easy to share (gasps) But. And sometimes, you know, I and of course, I get that thought, the intrusive thought, you shared too much, you said too much, people are going to think you're crazy. And then I have to remind myself, Cody, you were just being yourself. And you did the best you could. And you showed up. And that's a win. You know, yeah. like, that's me like talking to my 
to my negative mind, an example, you know? No, it's, it's true. Reminding yourself that this is my life. This Mm -hmm. is the journey that I've been on. This is my story and it's mine. And that's it, right? Like there's no craziness. And some people will, my brother said to me that he's like, some people will judge you. Fuck them, you know? (laughs) Excuse me. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on here. Yep. Okay. But it's true. It's like, Yeah, I'm just, I'm glad that you came on. Thank and... you for having me. I'm so glad that we connected. It was yeah. such a cool connection, um, meeting your cousin <laughs> at the park and him sharing what I wrote with you. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Uh, somebody else read it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm excited and you'll let me know when it comes out and I'll share with the, my community. And I, yeah, I really hope to help spread the message yeah it's it's an important one and everyone's gonna get something out of it you know whether they have OCD or anorexia or or, you know somehow miraculously they have nothing going on which I think we all have something um it's such an impactful story and again that idea of success and the fact that you're here to me my perspective is that that's a huge success and you know, it's about taking care of yourself. And I think that's such an important message for everyone. Thank you. It's wonderful to meet you. I hope we can meet in person as well, because we live pretty close. I was was going to say you only live 10 minutes away. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Have an amazing day. Be in touch with me. Let me know when everything comes together. I will. Sounds good, Andy. Bye. Bye. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.